to let it become who I am and what I am. There's a song, I don't know who sings it, uh, came out several years ago. It says, praise is what I do. Praise is who I am. Praise, praise should be everything that makes you up. You say, how, how can, how's that possible? Well, let's talk about there, that for a little bit. The first thing that I want to talk about is praise is a weapon. Psalms 35, 28 says, And my tongue shall speak of your righteousness and of your praise all the day long. Now, you may be asking now, uh, you know, how do you, how do you get praise being a weapon out of that scripture where it says, My tongue shall speak of your righteousness. But if you think about the scripture, that scripture, and he says, My tongue speaks of his righteousness all day long. And if my tongue, according to the psalmist, praises him all day long, it can become a mighty weapon against the enemy. The tongue, however, according to the book of James, can be the most evil thing that there is. James 5, James chapter 3, rather, says, Even so the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. It can take, you know, it wasn't it just this past year in California that um, uh, one of the big forest fires was set off by somebody doing a gender reveal with a little spark and a little pyrotechnic? Thousands and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of acres of land, homes destroyed, people displaced, animals killed, all of that gone because of just a little spark. And the Bible says the tongue is a little member. And in verse 6 of James chapter 3, it says, And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set, our, set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and is set on fire by hell. <laughs> For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man, verse number 8 of James chapter 3, no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Then he says in verse 9, With it we bless our God, and with it we curse men. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. He said, My brethren, these things ought not to be so. So David says, or the psalmist says, in Psalms 35, he says, My tongue shall speak of your righteousness all day long, and I'm going to praise you all day long. But James turns around and tells us that the tongue is a fire, and, and it's, it defiles the body, and it, it's set on fire by hell, and, and no man can tame the tongue. But David said we can praise him with our tongue. You know, no man can tame the tongue. That's why when we talk about receiving the Holy Ghost, the evidence of receiving the Holy Ghost is speaking in tongues. Because God says, when you fully give it over to me, I'll go ahead and fill you with my presence, and I'll tame the one thing that you cannot tame. And that's your tongue. You know, when, when our mouth is filled with the praises of God, that tongue turns from something that is evil and, and wicked and is, is a fire, James tells us, a world of iniquity. It becomes something that is filled with his praises, and it becomes a, a weapon against the enemy. 
Proverbs, Tracy likes to quote this with me a lot. Can you quote a Tracy? Proverbs 19.21. And those who love it will eat its fruits. He's, he's finally getting me to believe that. And so if I look at all of these scriptures kind of combined, and you look at Psalms 35, it says, With my tongue I'm going to praise him, and I'll speak of his righteousness. But James says that no man can tame the tongue, and it's evil. And, and Proverbs 19 says that death and life are in the power of, a t- of the tongue. If we look at all those scriptures combined, I look at that and say, you know what? No matter how evil my tongue can be, no matter how evil, no matter how, how much bad can come out of that, there can also be good because the writer of the book of Proverbs says, not only is death in the power of the tongue, but there's life in the power of the tongue. And if there's life in the power of the tongue, that's a serious weapon against the enemy. And so when you think about praise and you think about praise as a weapon and you think about your tongue, David said, I'm going to praise him with my tongue. With my tongue, I'm going to speak of his righteousness. Our our tongue has to do more than just, you know, talk bad about the person that didn't go when they were supposed to go at the four-way road stop down at FS. I about lost my Christianity yesterday. I got there last. Last. It was the last, fourth, the fourth person. So, I don't know about y'all, but like I was taught in driver's school that four-way stop, if you're the fourth person there, what do you do? You go forth. No, not in Vandalia. So we sat there. Everybody sat there for, oh, it felt like three years. It felt like three years. And, and, and I'm, you know, I'm a pretty patient person, Brother Kevin. But that intersection just about does me in. And we sat there, and I finally thought, you know what, I'm just going to go. And Kirsten, I had no sooner released my clutch, and depressed my gas, then the person across from me, who was first there, decides all of a sudden that they're going to go. So I stop. That person gives me a not-so-nice gesture. And I seriously had to watch myself. Because my tongue just about got the best of me. You know, like people just, we all know who got there first. Our tongue can get the best of us. But at the same time that we're cursing somebody or or the same time that we're speaking evil against somebody, my praise to God can become a weapon that will send the enemy running. What am I saying about Life. What am I saying about those around me? What am I saying uh, about my God? If, if death and life are in the power of the tongue, then if it's something so little that can give us life and life more abundantly, that's simply because we allow it to come from our mouth. And I, I think when the day is done, you know, and, 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 and I'm, I'm finishing up my life on earth, I want, I want people to remember me as a praiser. I want people to remember me as somebody who spoke good things and not evil things. 
I want people to remember me as somebody who, who uh, chose life and not death. I want, I want people to remember me that, that what they hear come out of my mouth were the good things of God rather than what the world was doing to try and destroy me. And that's something we all struggle with. It's something we all battle with. But praise is a weapon. Our tongue is a weapon. We can choose the manner that we use it. You know, you start to mold your children when they're very young based on how you talk to them. Children that are yelled at, screamed at, talked down to, talked negative to. They, they may not understand the words, but they understand the tone. They understand the feeling behind it. They may not understand what you're saying to them, but they understand the feeling behind it. But those same kids, if you, if you speak praises to them and you tell them that they're good enough and they're worthy and, and, and they're loved and they're adored, those, those kids will begin to believe in themselves and, and believe that they can do things. We need to speak life. Praise is a weapon. And it's in our tongue. It's in our tongue. I, I'm not talking about how, shout, how loud we shout or, or how, how high we jump or any of that. I'm not talking about what we do when we come together on a Wednesday or a Sunday. I'm talking about a lifestyle. Praise is a lifestyle. And so my praise should be reflected in what I say and in, in how I say it. That makes sense? Second, I want to talk about that praise. Ooh, that doesn't look so good, does it? I thought I'd change that. But that says praise activates the spirit world. Now, secular rock groups understand this truth. They understand that demonic spirits are activated by demonic spirits, or demonic music, rather, in the same way that the presence of God is activated by praise. I believe it's Psalms, Psalms 37 that says, in, in Judah is God known. Now, Judah means praise. The word known there is uh, related to intimacy. And as a, it is as a man knows a wife. In praise does God become intimate. Praise is what gets God's attention. Praise is what says, hey, wait a second. Hang on over here. I've got to go check out what my, what my kid's doing down there in Vandalia. And so music holds this, this huge influence over us. Uh, uh, you know, I, I listen to a lot of music, and I, I like to listen to it when I drive. And, you know, there's a song that says, that, that I heard again the other day, that says, Holy Spirit, rain down. Rain down on us. Let your fire fall. Let your voice be heard. Come and change our lives. As we stand on your word, Holy Spirit, rain down. Now, John, I woke up, or not woke up, but I spent the rest of the day singing that song. Holy Spirit, rain down. Rain, rain down, Holy Spirit. And it, it, it caused my prayers, Caitlin, to lean that way all day long. Holy Spirit, would you rain down in my life? Holy Spirit, would you rain down 
in my family. Holy Spirit, would you rain down in my life? Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, would you rain down in my church? Would you rain down in our Sunday school? (coughs) And if we if we get that, excuse me, (coughs) if we can get that into our minds. Now, you know, um, uh, what do you think the Lord would rather us have on our minds? The drunk guy with his pickup truck. The rock song talking about sex, partying, and dancing, or Holy Spirit rain down. I'm just a little bit, I guess you'd call me old-fashioned, call me what you want, but I'm just a a believer in in my household that what I listen to and what goes in my ears from a music standpoint be pleasing to God. Because I can listen to the songs that says, I lost my wife and I lost my kid and I lost my dog. And I could be depressed all day long, crying in my, in my cereal. Or I can listen to a song that says, Holy Spirit, rain down. Why don't you rain down on me, Jesus? And something, something begins to get into your spirit when you begin to, to let the Holy Spirit rain. Holy Spirit, let your fire fall on me. Let your voice, Holy Spirit, let, why don't you come into my life and change me? I'm standing on your word, God. Come and change me. I'm a, I'm a big believer in that because I want the spirit in my house to be right. And if the, if the atmosphere is filled with not good stuff, then the atmosphere is not going to be one that God can inhabit. Now the Bible says God inhabits what? The praises of His people. He does not inhabit the, the song that says and promotes sex, violence, drugs, and killing cops. God does not inhabit the songs that talk about sleeping with this one while you're while you're married to that one. Kind of gets quiet. God inhabits the praises. The praises of his people. Give me a give me a good worship song any day of the week. And I did that I I've listened to to some some other stuff. I'd rather have the praises of God because praise is what activates the spirit world. So when that music gets going in my car, it gets going in my house, it begins to activate whatever spirit it is trying to seek. And if you're, I'm sorry, but if you're listening to sex, drugs, and rock and roll, and fornication and sin and rape and murder and all of that, then that's what's going to be activated. But if I'm listening to Jesus say, Jesus, Lord, we give you glory. Lord, we give you honor. I'm not even going to try because I can't go that high right now. I don't have the air. We give you all of the praise. That's going to activate the spirit world, and God is going to inhabit my praise. He can't inhabit 
that which does not praise Him. He cannot inhabit a, a world that does not include Him. Be careful about what you listen to. Oh, preacher, you're just being hard and you're just being old-fashioned. Oh, maybe I am. But that's, that's, praise activates the spirit world. And I want to be activating the right thing, John. I want to be activating the right thing. I want to be activating in the spirit world what God inhabits, not what God runs away from. Amen? So praise is a weapon. Praise activates the spirit world. Praise causes the enemy to retreat. Psalms chapter 8 says in verse 1, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth, who have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouths of babes and nursing infants you have ordained strength because of your enemies that ye may silence the enemy, and the avenger. Now, Jesus quoted this psalm in Matthew 21, 15 through 16. He said, Then the blind and lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and scribes saw all the wonderful things that he did, the children crying out in the temple, saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant, and said to him, Do you hear what they are saying? And Jesus said, Yes. Have you never read out of the mouths of babes? And nursing infants, you have perfected praise. David said, out of the mouths of babes, you've ordained strength. Jesus said, out of the mouths of babes, you have perfected praise. Jesus likens strength with praise. By seeing what Jesus quotes, I I can see that Jesus is letting me know. He's letting us know that there is tremendous strength. In our praise. Why, why did Jesus do that? You see, praise in, verse, or in chapter 8 of Psalms, verse number 1, it says praise stills the enemy. Praise will stop Satan right in his tracks. Praise is that weapon that we, we, we're to use when we're calling a halt to the maneuvers of Satan and saying, no more, buddy. Ain't happening around here. Psalms chapter 9, verse 1 through 3 says, I will praise thee, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will show forth all of thy marvelous works. I will be glad and rejoice in thee. I will sing praise to thy name, O thou most high. When mine enemies' backs are turned, they shall fall and perish at thy presence. I want you to notice in verse 3 it says when my enemies' backs are turned. It doesn't say if they're turned. It says when My enemy's backs are turned. There's no question about it. If we will learn to praise God through all things, the enemy will retreat. David said, I'll praise you. I'll show forth your marvelous works. I'll be glad, rejoice, I'll sing. And because I'm doing all of that, the enemy's going to turn tail and run. And when they do that, they shall fall and perish because of the presence of God. If we learn to praise God in all things, the enemy has got to retreat. The Bible says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers, against principalities, 
rulers of the darkness of this world. We're not wrestling flesh and blood. I'm not wrestling my neighbor. I'm not fighting with the person sitting beside me on my pew. I'm wrestling with a force that I cannot see. But when I begin to praise God, those demonic forces, those, those forces that are coming against me in the spirit world, when I begin to praise, the Bible says that they will stop and they're going to turn their back. Psalms chapter 8, you know, we, we, uh, he says that he silences the enemy. He halts them. He puts them in their place. You see, praise isn't just what we do on Sunday. It isn't just what I do on Wednesday night for a little bit. Praise is vital to the life you live. Praise is vital to, to the Christian that you are. When you learn to praise God for the answer, regardless of what the circumstances say, you're going to see the backs of your enemy. They're going to turn tail and they're going to run. Well, they're not doing it like I think they should. Maybe not, but they will eventually retreat. If you look in the book of Psalms, chapter number 56, the psalmist writes, In God I will praise His Word. In God I have put my trust. He said, I will not fear what flesh can do to me. Every day they rest my words. Their thoughts are against me for evil. They gather themselves together. They hide themselves. They mark my soul, mark my steps. They wait for my soul. But when I cry unto thee, then shall my enemies turn back. For this I know, God is for me. So in God I will praise his word. In the Lord I will praise his word. In God I will put my trust. He repeats it. I will not be afraid of what man can do to me. David said, thy vows are upon me in verse 12 of Psalm 56. Thy vows are upon me, so I will render praises unto thee. Now, if you study the, the, the life of David, of King David, he faced a lot of battles. He faced a lot of things. But in every one of them, David put his trust in God. Because David knew that if God's praise was continually in his mouth, oh, what, what is it? Oh, taste and what is it, the scripture? I used to that the Lord is good now. His praises shall continually be in my mouth. Is that where that one goes? Is that Psalm 34? Praises shall continually. I think it's Psalms 34. David knew that. That, that if, he, if the praises of God were on his tongue. Remember we talked about the tongue being a weapon. David knew that God would cause the enemies to turn back. And I don't, like I said, we don't fight that physical enemy. We fight a, a spiritual enemy that we cannot see. But I know that I know that I know when we praise God that our enemies are halted. The Bible says that when the enemy comes in like a flood, that the Spirit will raise up a standard. Well, the Spirit's going to raise up a standard because I'm praising Him, because I'm living in a lifestyle of praise. I'm living a lifestyle that is communicating that I trust Him. You know, uh, if you want victory in your family, begin to praise God for victory. 
If you want finances to pay the bills, praise God. For I've learned this over the last how many months, Tracy? Long time. I don't, but more specifically since October of 2013, whatever the last year was. 2020? I used to think I was trusting God, but I wasn't. That's a whole other other story. If you want peace in your life, thank God for peace in your life. If you want joy in your life, if you want wisdom, go ahead and thank God for it. Praise God for it. Because God will, will begin to lead you into that way. Praise is a powerful force in our life. And there's something, something that happens supernaturally when you begin to praise God in spite of your circumstances. See, it's not just what we do here, here on Sundays and Wednesdays. It's a lifestyle. So praise is a weapon. Praise activates the spirit world. Praise causes the enemy to retreat. And praise is a lifestyle. And I've mentioned this several times. You know, the only way that, that praise causes hell to retreat is if praise has become a lifestyle for you. Anybody remember the Smurfs? Anybody? Maybe. You know, you remember pa- Papa Smurf's magical potion that he used to, you know, fix everything? You know, Papa Smurf would fix everything with his magical potion. Praise does not work that way. Praise doesn't magically fix everything. Praise isn't just to be used when troubles come and, and sorrows come. And praise isn't something that we pick up off the shelf when things are going bad and we, we pick it up like a glass of water and say, oh, I'm thirsty now. I'll go ahead and take a drink. Praise says, I'm going to go ahead and drink even when I'm not thirsty. Mitchell back there keeps telling me I need to drink water. Lots of water. If you're worried about your health, you're going to drink water even when you don't want to drink water. Right, Mitchell? You're going to drink water. I've seen him drink water at 11 o'clock at night and wonder how in the world he's going to sleep the rest of the night. Praise says it doesn't matter what the circumstances are. I'm still going to praise God. Praise says it's got to be a lifestyle. Praise needs to be something that is second nature to you and I. Hebrews 13, 15 says that, uh, Therefore by him, or by God, let us offer unto him the sacrifice of praise. That is the fruit of his lips, giving thanks to his name. The word continually here is referring to a lifestyle. With our lips, we need to continually offer praise to our God. Not just thinking the thought, but actually vocalizing the thought. Colossians 3.15 says, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you are called in one body, and be thankful. 1 Thessalonians 5.16-18 says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You know how many times in 30-some in years of ministry I've heard people say, what is the will of God for my life? What am I supposed to do with my life? I just don't know how to find the will of God. I'll go ahead and tell you what the will of God is, Clark. I can tell him. I'll take him to it every time. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. For this is... 
the will of God concerning you. Because if you pray and you rejoice and you give thanks, eventually you're going to know which decision you need to make. Eventually you're going to know which way you need to go or, or, or where you need to be or what job you need to take or what decision you need to make. Psalm 71 says, You are my hope, O Lord God. You are my trust. By you I have been upheld from birth. You are he who took me out of my mother's womb. My praise shall be continually of you. Psalms 104, 33 and 34 says, I will sing of the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. May my meditation be sweet to him. I will be glad in the Lord. Praise is something that happens every single day. It needs to happen when you wake up in the morning. It needs to happen when you get in the car to go to work. It needs to happen when you're feeling bad and not having a good day. It needs to happen uh, when, you, when you don't feel like it and when you feel like it. Praise is something that you fill your mind with all day long. Praise is a lifestyle. If, if we live a lifestyle of praise, we can expect to loosen the enemy's grip on us and on our circumstances. We wonder why the world seems to have such a hold on us. Why the enemy seems to have such a hold on us. That's because our lifestyle is not reflective of a lifestyle of praise. Because every one of these scriptures, and, and if you want them after service, see me. But every one of them makes it clear that our praise to God needs to be a lifestyle. Not just to get out of jail free card. God loosens when we praise. God loosens all the resources in heaven when we begin to praise Him. Whew. You know, when you begin to think about all the resources of heaven, we need to say, you know what? I'm going to praise morning, noon, and night. We used to sing that old song, praise Him, praise Him. Praise Him in the morning, praise Him in the noonday. Praise Him when the sun goes down. Morning, noon, and night. Does that mean that I, I'm, I'm going to be in church shouting and dancing? All? No. That means I'm going to live my life with praise and thankfulness. Praise recounts the blessings of the past. Luke 19.37 says, Then, as he was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice, for all the mighty works that they had seen. God requires thanksgiving as praise. He is good. He is good. He is good. And when we begin to reflect on everything he's done in the past, it will do one thing and it will cause our focus to shift. When I begin to think on what God's done for me in the past, then my focus gets off of the situation in my present. And I begin to say, you know what? If he was faithful back then, Brother Kevin, he's going to be faithful right now. If he was faithful in this situation, he's going to be faithful in the future, and I can trust him. Praise dispels fear from our life. Praise, praise dispels fear because uh, confidence begins to rise once we begin to review his character and review his ability. 
if you saw or if God saw you through the last time, you can mark my words. He's going to see you through again. Because the Bible says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed of begging bread. God is going to take care of his people. Um, Deuteronomy 8 and 10 says, when you have eaten and you are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. And my mind goes back to the ten lepers. There were ten lepers that had leprosy. And the Bible says that he healed all ten of them. But there was only one that came back to give him thanks. And that one that came back to give him thanks was the only one that was made whole. It wasn't that the others couldn't be made whole. They could. What does that mean? All of them were healed of the disease of leprosy. But the one that came back was made whole of the results of the leprosy. If their fingers were deformed and, and gone, they, they grew back. If his nose was gone and his ears was gone, they grew back. The sores that, that left scars, they, he was made completely whole because he came back to give thanks. You see, every time we should eat, we should give him thanks that there's food on our table. Every time we drive in a car, we need to thank God you have a car because not everyone has that blessing. Every time your kids want to want to play with you or want you to do something with them, you need to thank God you have a healthy kid that wants to stay busy because tomorrow death could visit your home at the drop of a hat. Every time you get in the shower to take a hot shower, you need to thank God for the hot water because there are millions living in third world countries that don't have it. Well, that's just little things. Yes, it's little things. But we have so much to be thankful for. We have so much to be thankful for. If you were to stop and just write down the little things that you can be thankful for, just the little things, you would be filled your whole day with praise and you would, would not know what to do with yourselves because when you begin to praise Him, it will change your whole perspective. When you begin to praise Him, you're reminded that God is faithful. When you begin to praise Him and you thank Him and you recount the things that have happened in the past, you're reminded that God is great. You're reminded that God is merciful. You're reminded that God is awesome. You're reminded that the Lord is good and His mercy endureth forever. Hallelujah. When you feel like giving up and walking away, when you, when you feel like God has abandoned and failed you, I dare you to just take one minute, just take one moment and thank Him for some blessings in your past because it will totally change your perspective. And not only does praise change our lives, but praise frees others. I didn't do very good with that one either. When we begin to praise God in spirit and truth, other people are listening and will be blessed as well. There are times when we stifle our praise because we're afraid of what somebody beside us will think. And, and uh, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know about you. But I, 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 don't, I don't get frustrated when somebody's praising God. I just go ahead, Lord, bless them. Go ahead, Lord, bless me through their praise. You know, I love to hear the praise of the people going up. But I love to hear somebody say in Walmart, thank God for X, Y, Z. Don't allow yourself to, to stifle your praise because 
Your deliverance is counting on your praise. Your breakthrough is counting on your praise. There's freedom in an atmosphere of praise. And, and that's what we, we think about in a, in a collective body. You know, remember the story of Paul and Silas? And they were in prison, and it's the middle of the night. And in the middle, they're, they're being beat, and their backs are torn up, and they're bloody. And they said, you know what, Paul, you know what, Silas? We can't do anything else here tonight, so why don't we just praise? And the Bible says, at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises to God. And the first thing that happened was the prisoners heard them. Somebody's going to hear your praise. Somebody's going to hear your complaint. They're going to hear one or they're going to hear the other. Paul and Silas could have complained that they were in the inner prison, locked their feet in stocks and bonds. They could have complained their backs were beat. They could have complained their backs were bloody. They could have complained that they didn't have anything to eat. But Paul and Silas said, nope, not today, Satan. The Bible says the prisoners heard them. And suddenly the Bible says the second thing that happened, suddenly there was a great earthquake. Not only did the other prisoners hear them, But they felt something begin to rumble so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bands or their chains were loose. Listen, when you praise God in your house, you can create an atmosphere where deliverance will come for everyone in your house. You may be the only one there that believes the way you do. Go ahead and praise God anyway. You don't have to dance and shout and hoop and holler all over the house. Praise can just be, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for taking care of, of my family. Thank you, Jesus. And, and praise creates this atmosphere of deliverance. When, when we praise God in church, in this corporate environment, your praise, your praise creates an atmosphere that somebody says, you know what, I think I want a little bit of that. I think I, I, think I need a little bit of that. And they begin to draw closer to it. When, when, when praise becomes a lifestyle, people are going to start noticing. When praise becomes a lifestyle, people are going to know, want to know what you got and where you got it and how much is it going to cost them. When praise becomes a lifestyle, people will be affected by the fire of the Holy Ghost that you're stirring up in the spirit world. You remember, praise starts activating that spirit realm. And people begin to feel something begin to happen. Praise will free others. Praise will, will bring others to Christ. And finally, praise must be wholehearted. In Psalms 138, David makes a great statement about his praise. He says in verse 1, I will praise thee with my whole heart. David had learned through the years that praise wasn't supposed to be a half-hearted thing. It was to be done with the whole entire heart. In Psalms 9.1, he says, I will praise thee, O Lord, with my whole heart. In Psalms 111.1, he says, I will praise the Lord with my whole heart. In Psalms 138.1, he says, I will praise thee with my whole heart. I don't know why David emphasized that. Maybe he had learned that half-hearted praise produced half-hearted results. Maybe he had learned that, that you know, that, that if I'm insincere in my praise, 
then eventually my trust in God is going to become insincere and be going to kind of dribble away. But the older David became, the older he got, the more pronounced his praise became. Psalm 71 says, I will hope continually and will yet praise thee more and more. David said in, in, in verse 8, he said, The Lord will perfect that which concerneth me, and thy mercy, O Lord, endureth forever. He said, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to look at the promises of God. I'm going to look at the things he's done. I'm going to look at the things he's promised. And he said, The Lord is going to do it. I've seen him do it before. He's going to do it again. And praise, David said, has got to come from the whole heart. The whole heart. That, that phrase, whole heart, means the complete and entire heart. And heart specifically refers to the mind, the will, and the emotions. You see, David was thoroughly convinced in his mind that the word of God was true and there was not any untruth. David had determined that, that what God spoke was going to happen. What God promised was going to come true. And if, if, we, if we can learn anything from David, we could learn that we need to be convinced in our mind that if Jesus said it, I can believe it. Because his word won't lie. It won't lead us the wrong direction. It won't lead us astray. It won't take us down a wrong way. David was, was convinced in his mind, in that logical thinking part of his brain. He was convinced that God would do what he said he would do. And David was thoroughly determined in his will that the Lord would reform that which he had promised. He, had, he didn't decide to believe the Lord because of his circumstances. David didn't say, well, Lord, if, if you give me the bear, I'll trust you. If you give me the lion, I'll trust you. If you give me the Goliath. No, David said, you know what? I got the bear and I got the lion because the Lord said I'd get him and he gave him to me. And Goliath's not going to be a problem. David said the Lord's going to take care of it. And David was convinced in his will. He did not believe, he did not worship or praise because of his circumstance. And David was thoroughly convinced that his emotions would not get in the way. So many times we feel a certain way. And that makes us, uh, that alone, rather, feeling a certain way, makes our determinations or makes our decisions for us. And as I have learned, you cannot fully trust our feelings. They're, de they're deceptive. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Praise has to be wholehearted. We haven't talked about dancing and shouting and all that, no? Because praise is a whole lot more than that. Praise is a lifestyle. Psalms 9, verses 1 and 2 says, I will praise thee, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will show forth all of thy marvelous works. I will be glad and rejoice in thee. I will sing praise to thy name, O thou most high. You see, if you want to experience the blessing and favor of God in your life, you cannot be half-hearted about your commitment. You cannot be uh, haphazard about your praise. God doesn't want just a little bit of you on Wednesday or a little bit of you on Sunday. God says, I want it all. Praise requires that we 
give everything we have to give. Not just on the good days. I've lived through some good days, Johnny. Praise requires that we give everything we have to give on the bad days. And Alex, I've lived through more than my share of bad days. Praise says it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if I'm laying in a hospital bed. Doesn't matter if I'm running a marathon. You know what I did yesterday for the first time in a very long time? I jogged. Wasn't a long way. Wasn't a lot. Didn't used to be able to jog. Didn't get short of breath either. And you know what's going through my mind, Kirsten, as I'm jogging down my road with my dog looking at me like, what in the world are we doing going this fast for? We never go this fast. Slow down, Mom. It crossed my mind, Johnny. Thank you, Jesus. That's what praise is. And I'm not, not trying to pat myself on the back. I'm trying to give you an example of what praise is. As I'm jogging down this road, in my mind, I'm thinking, thank you, Jesus, that, that I can breathe. That there's air in my lungs to breathe. Did I stop and, you know, do a little two-step in the middle of whatever road I happened to be on? No, I did not. Did I throw my hands up in the air and, you know, do a victory wave or whatever? No, I didn't. But there was just that little bit that came off my tongue that said, thank you, Jesus, that there's breath in my body. Because praise is a lifestyle. Not just on the good days, but also on the days when hell is throwing all of its arsenal at us and we don't know what to do. Our commitment to God must be genuine. And praise will reflect that when it becomes a lifestyle. Stand with me if you would. Go ahead and pray. All right. Thank you, Jesus, Lord, for your grace and your mercy and your goodness. Father, I'm thankful.